Tiki Hut Media. From Manatee Life Church, a multicultural United Methodist community of faith in Bradenton, Florida, this is Salt Ramblings Podcast. I'm Jerry Wicker, your host, and I'm the lead minister over at Manatee Life. Today, we are going to start a new sermon series, Jesus Didn't Say That or Jesus Never Said That. These are things that Jesus, it's commonly believed that Jesus would endorse. These are things that we think or we say that Jesus would endorse or be okay with, but Jesus never said that. And we start out today with our first in our series of three sermons, You Get What You Deserve. Let's head over to the sanctuary. Our scripture reading for the morning comes to us from Matthew's Gospel, the 20th chapter, verse 16 verses. Let us hear these holy words. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. O oh Lord, in the silence of this moment, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day and work your will in our lives. Amen. In the weeks leading up to Easter during Lent, we had a series called Famous Last Words. These were words that Jesus spoke from the cross, and we looked at those for several weeks. Today, we're going to kind of flip that around, and we're beginning a series for the next few weeks called Jesus Didn't Say That. Now, you may be thinking, why are we focusing on things Jesus didn't say in church? There are things that we 
kind of accept as mindsets or attitudes, and we believe they sound logical, they sound spiritual. Jesus must be okay with this. But Jesus never said that. Jesus didn't say that. So what we're going to do is we're going to start out this morning. It's going to be interactive. I'm going to put you to work here. You want to play along with me. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you part of a popular phrase. And you're going to just say it out. You're going to say out the rest of it, okay? So that, here's the first one. I want you to play along with me. What goes around comes around. Very good. Your past will come back to haunt you. If you make your bed, you're going to lie in it, sleep in it. Right. My mother told me that often. These are all different ways of saying you get what you deserve. If you're anything like me, there's a dark part of me, really, that likes it when somebody gets what they deserve, <laughs> especially after they've done something wrong. I mean, I'm going down 64 here, headed to I-75, <laughs> and I get on I-75, and I'm doing the speed limit, and some little sports car blows by me like I'm sitting still doing about 90, 95 miles an hour. And then a few miles down the road, I see the blue lights, and they've got that person pulled over, and I, you got what you deserve. <laughs> you shouldn't have been speeding like that. There's a, there's almost, it's like a, almost a sick part of me almost. I don't know if I should admit that in church or not, but I do. I enjoy it. I like it when somebody gets what they deserve. You're laughing because I think you do too. Am I wrong about that? No. We enjoy that. Oh, I do. I like it when I see somebody get something they deserve, especially when they've done something wrong. I like that, except for when it's me. I don't like to get what I deserve. And that's the first thing that we're going to look at that Jesus never said. You get what you deserve. Now, back up in chapter 18 of Matthew before we get to this parable, Jesus tells that parable of the unmerciful or ungrateful servant where the servant goes up to the master and he owes him in today's money $100,000. And he begs with the master, says, no, I can't, I can't pay it. I can't pay it. I don't have that much. I can't pay it. And the master wants to send him to debtor's prison. And he begs and he begs. And the master has mercy on him and says, your debt is canceled. You're free to go. And then that servant goes and finds one of his fellow servants who owes him a couple of hundred bucks. So. And he starts choking him. He says, pay me what you owe me. Pay me what you owe me. And he has him thrown into debtor's prison because he can't pay what he owes him. Word gets around. Gets back to the master. And the master says to that servant, you wicked servant. I forgave you your debt. Should you not do the same for your fellow servant? 
and he had him thrown in debtor's prison. And I'm thinking he got what he deserved. But then we get to our parable in Matthew this morning. And this speaks of God's grace and God's mercy. God's grace is getting what we don't deserve. We all deserve death. We all deserve punishment for our sins. But because of God's grace, we get forgiveness, which we do not deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. We deserve death, and here we are. Praise God. Psalm 103, the psalmist said it excellently. Psalm 103, starting with verse 10, the psalmist says this. He does not deal with us according to our sins, grace and mercy, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. We don't get what we deserve. And this parable in Matthew that Jesus teaches in chapter 20, has a lot to teach us about that and other things as well, probably much more than can be covered in one sermon. But in order to get to the heart of it, we need to look at the context. What, what brought this parable about? Why did Jesus pick this particular time to tell this parable? Who was Jesus speaking to? Well, Apparently, he is speaking to the original 12 disciples, and in particular, Peter. Because if we back up just a few verses into chapter 19, verse 27, Peter says this to Jesus, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? What then will will there be for us, Peter is saying, those of us who have been working all day in the heat of the sun. What, there, what then will there be for us, those of us who are your chosen right-hand men? What then will there be for us? Surely we deserve much more of a reward than everybody else. You chose us first. What then will there be for us? Look at how much we have sacrificed for you. Some pretty common thinking. When we work hard, we expect to be paid more than those who don't work hard. There are some folks here this morning I used to work with, and if we had done like the landowner in Jesus' parable and paid people that worked 10 hours the same amount that we paid the person that worked one hour, there would be an uprising. (laughs) If we put in more hours... We should be rewarded for that. We should be compensated for that. We live in a competitive world, though, and that competition is the driving force behind capitalism. Not everybody gets paid the same. Some are rich, some are poor. Some live in huge mansions, paying more for their beautifully landscaped and manicured yard than most of us will see in a year or ten years. 
As the saying often goes, life's just not fair. But that is the opposite. That is the opposite of the way it works in the kingdom of God. In God's kingdom, life is so fair that it's difficult for us to get our minds wrapped around it. Will Peter and the rest of the twelve receive a reward? Absolutely, you bet they will. And it will be the greatest reward imaginable. Jesus goes on and tells Peter this, Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. What could be better than that? What is a better reward than that? There's nothing better than that. But then, as Jesus, Jesus often does, he throws us a zinger, a curveball, if you will. It's so awesome. It's so incredible. It's almost too good to be true. He adds, but many who are first will be last. And many who are last will be first. As a matter of fact, the last verse of chapter 19 says that exact phrase. And if you notice, the landowner has the last hired first and the first hired last. And then he ends this parable, Jesus does, with that exact phrase. It's kind of like bookends on a, on a story. He's trying to make a point to us. In other words, the original 12 disciples will receive their reward. But so will everyone else who comes to faith in Jesus Christ. Even the ones who come into it at the last hour. In one sense, this parable is a warning to the disciples and to us. It's as if Jesus said, you have received the great privilege of coming in early on this, on this Jesus movement, this faith that I'm talking about. Right at the very beginning. And in later days, there are going to be others that come in. You must not claim special honor or special privilege or a special place because you were Christians before they were. All men and women, no matter when they come in, are equally precious to God. Christianity knows nothing of superiority or tenure. The world says, you get what you deserve. Many of us tend to agree with that. But in God's kingdom, we all get what we don't deserve. I mean, we weren't looking for God. God found us. The Bible tells us that our inheritance of eternal life is a free gift from God. We can do nothing to deserve it. It's not our right. Instead, it is the highest privilege imaginable. It is a free gift with no strings attached. It comes from the heart of God who is unconditional love. Salvation is something God does for us. There is nothing we can do to earn it or deserve it. It's so awesome how God goes searching for us, not the other way around. There was once, I heard this story, there was once a conference being held on comparative religions, and these experts and theologians were going back and forth, and they were debating several things, and they were trying to debate on what belief is unique to the Christian faith. What is the unique belief? 
Christians have. The the debate went on, as theologians do, for quite some time. And author C.S. Lewis was there, and he just happened to wander into the room. And he wanted to know what they were all debating about. And they told him, what is Christianity's unique contribution to the world? And C.S. Lewis said these profound words. Oh, that's easy. Grace. Grace. The people at the conference had to agree. The idea of God's love coming to us free of charge, no strings attached, seems to go against every instinct we have. I want to thank for this next part because I got a text last night from John Norris in our tech booth, and he texted me this scripture that I'm about to read, and I went, perfect, perfect. It's over in 1 Samuel. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 30, I'm not going to read the entire chapter to you, but I'll give you the Reader's Digest condensed version. When you get home, read 1 Samuel chapter 30. But David's people had been attacked. The Amalekites had raided Ziklag, and they had taken wives and children and property. And David and his men of his army of 600, oh, that was it. Of course, they consulted with God. God said, yep, go get it. And so David took his 600 men. And there's a place where the scripture says, David set out, he and, his, and the 600 men who were with him, they came to Wadi Basor, where they stayed, who were left behind. But David went on with the pursuit. He and 400 men, 200 stayed behind, too exhausted to cross. That's important. Because if we jump down, David and his 400 men now go in and they just wipe out everything. And they get what the Scripture refers to as plunder. They get all their stuff back. Their wives and their children and all their property and their cattle and everything. They get it back. And they're coming back. And then we pick up in verse 21. Then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow David and who had been left at the Wadi Basor. They went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. When David drew near to the people, he saluted them. Then all the corrupt and worthless fellows among the men who had gone with David said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except that each man may take his wife and children and leave. But David said, listen to what David says, You shall not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. He has preserved us and handed over to us the raiding party that attacked us. Who would listen to you in this matter? For the share of the one who goes down into the battle shall be the same as the share of the one who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. David gave the 200 who didn't go, who were too exhausted, 
the same as the 400 that went in. We don't get what we deserve. We don't get what we deserve. Only Christianity shows us that and shows us that God's love is unconditional. We don't deserve it. But He loves us anyway. We live, we live in a world of unlove, unmercy, and ungrace. God's grace is so hard for us to fathom sometimes. Jesus talked about it a lot. A housewife, for example, jumping up and down with joy over the discovery of a lost coin. That's not the first image that comes to my mind when I think of God, but it is the image that Jesus insisted upon. As a matter of fact, the story of the prodigal son appears in a string of three stories that include that one with the housewife who lost her lost coin, prodigal son, lost sheep, and all of those stories in one chapter seem to have a common theme. Each one has a sense of loss. Each one tells the thrill of discovery. And each one ends with a scene of jubilation and joy. Why? Because a lost valuable possession has been found. A lost valuable possession has been found. Have you ever considered yourself a valuable possession of God? You are God's most valuable possession. Have you ever thought of other people that way? Valuable possessions. Another look at that parable we read this morning. God the Father is portrayed as the owner of all things. And we the people that are standing around in the marketplace, nothing to do. God shows up, offers us a job and a reward. Some of the folks were hired early in the morning, about 6 o'clock in the morning. 9 o'clock, God goes hunting for people again. And when God finds them, he says, you go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. God went out again searching for those who had nothing to do. This time it was the sixth hour or 12 noon. God did the same at the ninth hour and at the eleventh hour, which was about five o'clock in the afternoon. In those days, they worked from 6A to 6P. So those that were hired in at five o'clock only worked one hour. God still found more folks to work in God's vineyard. God is always, always searching for the lost. And aren't you thankful for that? He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. And I've always thought that phrase was sad because no one has hired us. They've been there all day. Nobody wants them. But can I tell you, every person has great potential. It's just waiting to be discovered. The laborers in Jesus' parable would have stayed in the marketplace all day if the landowner had not come in and hired them and given them a job. The landowner's call 
like our call from God, was the beginning of their self-worth and their productivity. And some of the workers complained, especially those hired at 6 a.m. You have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. They were complaining that they had worked all day, endured the hot sun, but those who had joined in the last hour got the same pay that they did. But in fact, if the landowner had not come into the marketplace and chosen them, they would have received nothing in the first place. They were doing nothing before the landowner hired them. we got to remember, we got to remember, the field belongs to God, not us. I'll let you in on a little secret. This church belongs to God not us. That was a real good place for an amen. (laughs) The field outside that door belongs to God, not us. This church belongs to God, not us. And God has sent us into His field, into His vineyard. Jesus said this, I will build your church. No, he said, I will build my church in Matthew chapter 16. That possessive pronoun, my, tells me right off the church belongs to him. And the fruits of the harvest, the fruits of the harvest of this church belong to God as well. They're not ours. When we work for Jesus Christ, we must remember that salvation is a free gift from him. We are the workers, and what a privilege that is. We are all among the many who serve the same master, God. The Apostle Paul describes us as a part of the body of Christ. And as a part of the body, we've got to be working in harmony with one another, never in competition. That is why we have made a purposeful effort to partner with other churches. We partner with Manatee Baptist across the highway. We partner with Palmetto, First United Methodist in Palmetto, and several different projects, and other churches as well on food bank programs and all sorts of things to help people. It's not ours alone. We share the burden. We partner with them, not in competition, We're not in competition with anybody because all our mission is one. Our mission is to go make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That is our mission. It is about unconditional love for God and neighbor. Now, there are those who think they can boycott God's Word. They can sit down on the job. They can go on strike. Ray picked out music I didn't know or like this past Sunday. I'm not going to go back. Oh, they're putting new carpet in the sanctuary and I don't like the color. I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to serve. Need I go on? God would ask that person, Why have you been standing here all day idle and doing nothing? 
how many of us have been sharing our faith in Jesus Christ, in word and deed. How many of us invited someone to come worship with us this morning? Because the world is full of men, women, and children standing around lost and idle, without purpose, without meaning, without a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. God has called us, church. God has called us to the work, to work in His field. We are to go out and invite others to come work with us. There is more than enough reward to go around. And what is that reward? It is a reward we don't deserve. A purpose-filled life and a hundred times as much. The inheritance of eternal life. I am generous, the landowner says, and reminded the workers. We all must go beyond the call to merely believe in Jesus Christ. We must demonstrate that faith by our faithfulness, our witness, and our service. In the parable, the landowner went out into the marketplace and saw people standing there doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. So they went. Manatee Life Church, will we join them? Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Father, today, work in the hearts of your people. You are worthy of all praise. You have given us life even though we are undeserving. You have made us your child and heir. And you have given us the greatest gift anyone could ask for, eternal life in your presence, O oh God. Please forgive us when we consider others of not deserving and grant us mercy because none of us deserve it. But we thank you that because of your son's sacrifice, we are freely forgiven, loved, worthy, and deserving. Please grant us your strength to share that with others so they will know that they too are freely forgiven, loved, worthy, and deserving. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And now receive this benediction. Let us go out into God's vineyard, into God's field, and inspire love. Embrace Christ. Engage the world. And tell somebody about Manatee Life Church. Go in peace. Amen. Be sure to join us next week for the second in a three-part series on things Jesus didn't say or Jesus never said. God wants you to be happy. Oh, yeah. Be sure to join us then. You can live stream our services every Sunday morning at 1030 Eastern Time over at Manatee Life Church. We've got a link to the YouTube live stream in the show notes of this episode. Also, get social with us here at Soul Ramblings Podcast. All you got to do is go to our Facebook or Instagram pages. Got links to those in the show notes as well. And also, wherever you're listening to this episode right now, no matter where you're listening, click subscribe, leave us a rating and a review, but be sure to click subscribe. That way you never miss a new episode of Soul Ramblings Podcast. 
I want to thank you for the gift and privilege of your time today. It really means a lot to me. And as always, I'm going to leave you with a last piece of advice. If you believe in goodness and if you value the approval of God, fix your minds on whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and praiseworthy. Until next week on Soul Ramblings Podcast from Manatee Life Church, a multicultural United Methodist community of faith in Bradenton, Florida, I'm Jerry Wicker. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production. Mm-hmm.